Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like great banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hi guys, you didn't kill yourselves! Wow, hey, give yourself a hug, give yourself a pat on the back Unless you're driving or uh, riding a horse in which case, why are you listening to a podcast if you're riding a horse? Does anybody listen to this while riding a horse? The Voices in Our Heads podcast at GeneBell.com. Please let me know. You know, I always think, surely no one's doing this. And then 10 people are like, actually, I was doing exactly that. So I'm like, oh, okay. But hey, I'm happy you're here. It's December. Wow. Time flies. When you're bored at home alone with nothing else to do because everything's closed and you can't go to a concert or see a Broadway show or really go hang out with your friends at a comedy club because of COVID, huh? <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> that had two comebacks. That's great. I discovered something that... I discovered it a while ago, but then I started actually doing it. And maybe it'll help you. Um... Taking a fucking cold shower in the morning when you wake up, like an ice cold one. Now I do it because my hair is crazy, so I gotta. So when I take these cold showers, it's mostly not to wash my hair because I ain't got nowhere to go because COVID. But taking the showers in the morning, here's some here's some benefits. It wakes you up. I mean, your girl not good in the morning, but when she walks under a stream of icy cold water, you wake up. You know what I'm saying? It increases your circulation. It wakes you the fuck up. It helps the shape of your hair and skin. It makes it glowy. Apparently, that's what I said online. And also, it's basically free and legal cocaine or Adderall because you gonna wake up. You might fart, but you'll be woken up. You should try it. It's also, it's, I'm going to do a video one of these days when my face isn't fucked up. I'll tell you more about that later. I'm going to do a video of me in a tasteful bathing suit taking a cold shower in the morning because I react so extremely to most things. (laughs) Uh, And not a lot of gray area in my head. And that's part of my problem. But it, when I'm taking these cold showers, I've done it. I only do it for like a couple minutes, which is a long time. It's a long time when that water's ice cold and your nips could cut concrete. Whew. Imagine if you got a wiener, it shrinks up into your abdomen. And your little balls turn into marbles, probably. Everything just gets cold. But I, I'm, <laughs> while I'm doing it, I'm like, oh God, this is terrible. Okay, no, I could do And I have to like talk myself out. I have to like, you know, talk myself up while I'm doing it. I'm like, okay, Christina, just, you're so strong. <laughs> oh God, this sucks. <laughs> I want to take a video. I feel like that might be a comedic thing. I don't know. It's why, I mean, I've been working from home for a long time now. And I feel like now everybody's knows what it's like to work from home. If you hadn't previous, no, it's hard. It's hard. And I live alone, which is awesome. What a goddamn gift living alone. And then Kevin, I mean, he doesn't count because Kevin's Kevin, you know, I fucking love that dog. Kevin, stop having sex with the bl- holiday blanket I just bought from Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, he thinks every blanket I bring home is his new boyfriend or girlfriend. <sighs> I specifically went to Bed Bath & Beyond last night to get that blanket. 
and I'm not going to go back for a new one because it is raining and I don't want you jizz all over it. Although he doesn't do that when he humps now. Nothing like his lipstick doesn't come out. It's just he just but he does it. But Justin told me um, that around nine months, all puppies have like this terrible twos stage that a toddler would normally have at around nine months where they're just dicks. He's told me that since I've had Kevin. So I've been on the lookout for that. And he's nine months old. And uh, yeah, he's being a little shithead. But it's so cute. It's so cute. It's so cute. Oh, I love him. So, so there's a, um, oh, there's, I'm giving this company so much publicity, but they have one and a half million followers on Instagram. It's like, they don't need any more publicity, but I'm sure it helps. And whatever, if you, but here's, here's what happened. There's this company called BarkBox, which I've known about. They, they put things for your dog that barks. They put it in a box and they send it to your home. BarkBox. 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 <laughs> I got to get another sound effect machine. I, I need this fart, these farts, but I also need one that does other sounds. Um, so they did a Home Alone themed bark box and all, you know, everyone was messaging me about it for like the last couple weeks. Oh my God, you got to get this for Kevin. And I saw it. Corinna messaged me first about it. And I was like, oh my God, it's so cool. And then people started messaging me saying, did they take these, this like your existence and put it into an ad for bark box? And I was like, no, it's just, you, you know, I thought it was unique to name a dog Kevin after Kevin from Home Alone until I was on my way to Arizona to do gigs at the Tempe Improv where I, I brought Kevin with me. And then I sat next to a lady. Um, well, actually, I was in line waiting to get on the, to board the plane. And there was a lady saying how cute my dog was. And I was like, thank you. You're right. Yes. Um, and she was like, what's his name? And I said, Kevin. She goes, oh, my God, my son has a dog named Kevin. And I was like, oh, it's so funny. She's like, why'd you name him Kevin? And it's so funny because if it's a man, they assume that I named Kevin after an ex-boyfriend. Like five men, three that I know personally assume that I named. I'm like, why would, first of all, huh? Why would a, why would a guy think that? That's so funny to me. Why would I name a dog after somebody I'm dating, number one, and then after an ex, number two? I don't want to do that. Even if even if he died, I wouldn't name the dog after him because I'd be sad. Do you know what I mean? And I I need a reason to think not think about my ex that died. But if I had an ex, I that's you, yo. You think I'm psycho, bitch? It's so funny. Only guys have ever been like, is that after an ex-boyfriend? I'm like, first of all, I love that you just assumed it was an ex. No, no man has ever asked if it was named after a boyfriend. It's always an ex-boyfriend. Um, but now, so the woman asked me why I named him Kevin. And I said, oh, it was after Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. And she was like, oh, I have to wonder, I have to ask my son why he named his dog Kevin. I'm going to see him on this flight in Arizona. He just got this dog. I wonder if he, he loves that movie. And then I ended up sitting next to that lady on the plane. And then when we landed, she was like, yes, he did name his dog Kevin after Kevin McAllister. And I was like, well, you know, there goes my originality. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it makes sense. If you're born in the late 80s and the 90s, it's, it was a hit movie. Okay. So when these people were sending me these bark, this BarkBox video and they were like, did they rip off you? I'm like, guys, to name a dog Kevin after Kevin on Home Alone is not an original idea. As much as I'd like to think it is, it's not, you know. But then I watched, people kept messaging me and messaging me. And then I'm like, let me watch this video. And 
Okay, so there's there's now if you follow me on Instagram at Christina Hutch, thank you. Um, you know that I've been posting about Kevin since I got him because I'm obsessed with him because he's my best fucking friend, right? Kevin, you're my best friend. He's chewing on his bone, but that's a yes. Um, and I one thing I say in videos in, of my Instagram stories a lot, like just over the past eight months or whatever since I've had him. I'll just yell, Kevin, 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 I love you. So I've I and I could find about like eight Instagram videos over the la, over the couple months of me saying, Kevin, I love you. Now, exhibit A, watch this, w- listen to this, listen to this, this is a podcast. Listen to this uh, clip from a BarkBox ad. Um, now, the dog is not a dachshund. The dog is a beagle. They're both hounds, but I was like, Christina, you're getting cocky. Not everyone's trying to fucking copy you. Why don't you goddamn relax? But then this this clip, I watched this clip of this BarkBox video, and my heart, it sank. Wait a minute. Spoiled Kevin in your house with the home alone. Kevin! I love you. What? Wait, let's listen to that again. Spoil the Kevin in your house with the home alone. Kevin! I love you. Now, you know, Kevin, I love you is not a catchphrase. It's not a, you know, it's not a, but when I saw that, the chick, and I might be dreaming this up, but I do think the chick kind of does look like me. She's got blonde straight hair, but she kind of, she looked. She kind of looks like me, but you know, that's also, I'm like, is that in my head? And then I posted it on Instagram and I was like, yo, Insta fam, I need your opinion. Am I a cocky piece of shit or is BarkBox trying to rip me off? And then everyone's comments really got me going. They're like, you're, you're being stalked. You got ripped off. And then my friend Yamanika, like they be watching girl. And then all these people were like, holy shit, that's like a direct rip off. Um, the whole aesthetic and the way she says, I love you is pure Christina energy. And then. Um, my one friend said, I think you're just famous enough now that someone getting inspired by you is the same as you getting inspired by Home Alone. You're the zeitgeist, baby. And I was like, mm, well, thank you, Amy. I really appreciate that. <laughs> no, I did. But um, but a lot of people were like, holy shit, this is like this is something you've been saying. And I was like, well, well what the fuck? And then I was like, look, I'm not I'm not, I'm not mad at them. I don't give a shit. First of all, if they if I, I, you know what I fi- chalked it up to be because comedians a lot of people that work in marketing companies hire, like you know follow comedians and which is a smart thing to do because a stand-up comedian is a one-stop marketing shop my friend we figure out all we think about all stand-up comedians think about is how to sell an idea to to an audience of people that we don't fucking know okay so we think of all the possible angles and we think of the angle that we want we think of well i could go this way or this way or how and then you test the joke by doing stand-up in a pre-covid world that was easy in a covid world that's a little so so you know that's fine but what i'm saying is i'm like well maybe somebody that works for the marketing company that BarkBox hired follows me and then just kind of I don't know I mean I have no proof of anything so this isn't going I'm like guys I'm not I don't want you to take it down I'm not like god if I sued what a piece of shit I would be how disappointed in me would you be if I fucking sued BarkBox I'm like they stole my fucking likeness and and be like oh Christ Christina you get a little too cocky 
And you can say that to me and I'll take it with a grain of salt and then, you know, evaluate on my own time. Anyway, I started um, making all these posts on Instagram because I really love being petty. It's so fun. So I was, I found this one filter on Snapchat that was like, um, it, it puts sunglasses on you and there's a f- reflection of fire in the lenses and you're wearing a black hoodie. And I was like, Bark Box, listen up. Give me my motherfucking money for ripping me off or else I will fucking go downstairs and I will take a video of me crying and I will send it to you in a box. And like I did all these videos that are like that. I'm like, no, change of plans. Actually, BarkBox, what I'm going to fucking do because you owe me so much goddamn motherfucking money is I'm going to take a box and I'm going to poopy in it. And then I'm going to get Kevin to poopy in the box. Kevin McAllister, you might know him. A lot of your people at your company seem to follow him and like him. And then I'm gonna poop. I'm gonna poop in a box. I'm gonna send it to you. So it's gonna be poopy, uh, poopy fill box. And I was just making all these silly videos. And then I looked in BarkBox. I saw it had 1.5 million followers, and I was like, they're not gonna see this. But it's just funny for me. And then they they replied, and I got nervous, and I took a nap, and I never read it. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna read it on the podcast. I've not. They DM me, um, and I was like, oh, I'm nervous. Ah, I don't want to read it. <laughs> That's what I do. I get, I pump myself up. I fluff up my own feathers. And then when the person I'm mad at, it's like, yo, what's up? I'm like, never mind. I'm tired. I got to go to bed. <laughs> but I forgot that they, um, I forgot that they DM me. I, well, I remembered and then I went to bed and then I, I'll tell you why I got all that story's coming next. Um, getting punched in the face with needles, literally getting punched in the face with needles and then having the period from hell. Um, but we'll get to that. That's one of the reasons why I fell asleep. But BarkBox did reply to me. Oh, wait, did they fucking take it back? Those fucking cunts. <gasps> ah, those little pieces of shit. Okay, so they did reply to me. I didn't read it. I took a nap. And then they fucking unsent the message, which a lot of people have done that to me before. And that's when I realized you can unsend a message. And that's when I realized a lot of my woes could have been avoided if I knew that that was a feature on Instagram messages. Oh, what those little fucking pussies? Well, now I'm mad again. Because I forgot that they messaged me because I'd been too busy um, dealing with being punched in the face by needles. I paid for it. So it's like, you know, my bad. But also, fuck. I'm so invested. See, these people are responding to my story. I'm so invested and so bored. This must continue. Can you call their helpline on the podcast like you did? Oh, wait. That's a really good, that's a really good idea, actually. Can you call their helpline? Well, shit. You know what? Maybe this is all meant to be because BarkBox DM'd me back and then they fucking deleted the message that I'm just now realizing they deleted the message because I was like, I'm going to read the message on the podcast and then we'll deal with it then. Bark box um bark box help number it's 12th i'm recording this really late okay well let's see hey there human you've reached bark's happy team oh, for immediate assistance press one to send us a text press two to chat with us on facebook press three to speak to dog or to connect with one of our dog-obsessed speak humans, to a dog? log on to BarkBox.com. Wait, speak to a dog? Where you can view... Present three. Okay. Why'd you steal my idea? Excuse me. This is a lot of avoidance tactics. 
bullying and manipulation. Hey there, human. Hi. You've reached Bark's happiness. I know. I called For it. Immediate assistance. Press one to send us a text. Press two. Okay. Well, I'll press one. I guess. Oh God, I'm nervous. Awesome. Sending you a text now, along with a what? link to Bark with us on Facebook. No, but I wanted it. Ugh. Well, see, there's that. God damn it. And then they texted me. How, 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 Lou? Thanks for barking in. We are currently away hanging with our pups. Bullshit, you're asleep. It's 1230. We'll be back in the pawfice. Oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> Between the hours of 9 a.m. to midnight. Oh, midnight. That's pretty. That's Paul Lees, feel free to leave us your account email so we can be ready to lend a paw. All right, well. To be continued, motherfuckers. Here's the thing. I can't tell if I'm fluffing my own feathers and the people on Instagram are fluffing my own feathers and being like, they stole that from you. Because when I posted that they stole it from me, Corinne texted me and she goes, oh my God, what, how did you find out? That's crazy. I'm like, well, I, I, I was guessing that they did um, because I felt the feeling in my stomach. <laughs> so I just assumed that they were, um, that they, uh, that they copied me. <laughs> Okay, well, that's... Hey, to be continued, motherfuckers. To be continued. All right, now let's move on to why I took a 48-hour nap after I saw that they messaged me. God damn it, I wish I fucking read the message before I took a nap. And... Well, you know what? Maybe what happened was that they realized their ill ways and they were like, "Uh uh-oh, I gotta delete that message. And then nothing else happened. So I got, I got, I got, I got microneedling done because a, a, a bunch of my girlfriends, they get it and they have youthful skin. And I was like, well, let me try it. You know what it, you know what it was? I had it in my head that I needed to get microneedling and, and I wrote it down on my to-do list. Well, now when something is on my to-do list, I will get it crossed off, whether it's something I should actually do whether it's something that is kind of a waste of time and or money, or whether it's just something I'm doing on a whim. If it's on my goddamn to-do list, all I want in my life is to cross it off and to feel accomplished. So I scheduled an appointment. Not, I mean, I kind of knew a little bit about, I knew about microneedling. I knew what it does, the benefits of it. Uh, if you're curious, it just, you know, it, it basically um, triggers the regenerative regenerative you know what i'm talking about uh it, it triggers your it, it basically sends the signal to your cells to hey shed these shits and make new ones when you're stabbing your skin with needles and you go i go to this place and the woman she was like do you need to know anything about like micro i'm like ah just just let's just do it and then i took off my mask in the room and she was like oh yeah microneedling's perfect i'm like well wait why is microneedling per am i okay no it's okay you don't have to explain it i'm an old bitch just no it's fine just hurry up and so she she put numbing cream on me and i i just didn't know that that was part of the process because i've never gotten it done but i'm like yeah that makes sense and she was like, all right, you're going to be here for like 15, 30 minutes. And then, and then right before she closed the door, she's like, actually, it's like 45 minutes. And I'm like, okay, okay. And thank God you girl, she'd been meditating. So I used that time while I got up out of the bed, um, with plastic over my face and numbing over my face. And I took out my phone and I went on Instagram and I bitched at BarkBox. No, I'm just kidding. I took out my meditation app and I listened to a meditation. And the 45 minutes went by. It was very nice. I was like, ooh, I get 45 minutes of silence alone in this dark ass room. Cool. Let's take advantage. 
and it was good. And then she came back in and she was, you know, micro needle. She basically took this device that had little needles in it and she needled my whole face until it bled. And it bled. It really did. It bled. It bled everywhere. And then she's she was telling me like, okay, so you basically don't want to wear makeup for like seven days. I'm like, wait, what? Huh? Uh oh. I didn't research this enough, doc. <laughs> and she told me all the instructions. She's like, your face is gonna hurt. It's gonna be red and cracking. You might have breakouts, especially with the mask. Make sure you moisturize. All this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Shit, I didn't really research this as much as I thought I did. But thank God it's COVID because I ain't got shit to do and nowhere to go. I do have a lot of sketches I want to film, but they can wait. I got other things on my to-do list. Yo, my face right now as I'm recording this at 1230 on a Monday, not a Tuesday, because your girl put a little 24-hour pad for my to edit this episode. Um, Good for me. My face looks so gnarly, you guys. It you, Okay, remember the Great Jones Spa episode? Well, now, that I was very upset with because when you get a facial, it's not supposed to make your face look like Satan pooping all over it. Satan went all over your face. And then when you go in the manager's a mean piece of shit, you go and get a little mad. But... My face looks gnarly. I paid for it to look gnarly. And I knew I was just looking up like, okay, when will this go away? And will my skin be, will this make me pretty? Oh God, Lord, will this make me beautiful? <laughs> uh, and on a personal level, for my skin to currently look gnarly. And when I say gnarly, I mean, get your dick out, fellas, because I'm about to basically give you some erotica uh, via a podcast. My skin is bright red. It's cracking all over. It's like peeling off. You know when you have chapped lips? It's like that, but everywhere on my face. And to boot, I'm breaking out everywhere in ways that I've not ever before. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. This is a good challenge for me because, you know, I've been meditating and I'm, tr- I'm trying to get, I'm trying to go beyond the realm of aesthetics. I'm really trying with personally with my spirituality, you take it however, wherever you want to take it, boo-boos. If you even give a shit about it, I do. And where I take it is I really want to go, I really want to connect to something so beyond myself that it feels like my physical, my physical body, all that is is a vessel, y'all. I am not my face. I am not my tits, even though they're very great. I'm not my ass, even though that is also very great. It's great parts of my body. I love my body. But it's not, I'm not, that doesn't define me. And that's certainly not where I would like to place my self-esteem. Now, have I always been like that in the past? Absolutely goddamn not. In fact, skin woes, I mean, (laughs) it bums me out on every level when my face is a mess. Truly, it's it's so upsetting. But this is great because I need to sit with this disgusting fucking face that I have right now as I'm talking to you. It's so gross. It's so bad. <laughs> uh, it, under my, uh, bad according to me. It might not be bad according to you. And that's okay, but I don't care about that. I care about if it's bad according to me. It's bad according to me right now. However, I'm totally fine with that for multiple reasons. One, the meditation, and also like I can't place my self-esteem in my face your face is going to get old and rot away. So by that rule, your self-esteem is going to crumble by the time you're 45. Or however old ladies are when their faces go to shit. I'm just, I'm using that. I'm not, if you're 45 or over, that's not me talking. That's fucking society. 
I'm actually excited to grow old, except that I, you know, may, I paid somebody a lot of money to punch my face with needles so that it didn't look like I was growing old. But one of the benefits to microneedling is acne scarring um, and pigmentation and little tiny lines. So I was like, yeah, I'll just try it to see what to see what it is. And now uh, I'm dealing with a dumpster on my face and it's fine. It's fine because I've been meditating and it's also fine because I ain't got shit to do. So I ain't got to see nobody. And I'm not looking in mirrors because I don't want to get bummed out if I look in a mirror. And I know that that's silly to get bummed out of a procedure that does this as part of the goddamn procedure. And also look at mirrors, not not looking at mirrors rather. It's much more fun. Because then you look at other stuff that is f- more fun. You know what I mean? But when my face is beautiful, y'all, you bet I'm going to be staring in that mirror going, God damn it, Christina, you did it again. You're so beautiful and angelic. Um, but yeah, my so my face, so part of the, there's a bunch of rules I had to follow after when I went home. And the woman who punched my face with needles gave me all these things. One of the things is, actually, she didn't tell me this, but I looked it up online to not take an anti-inflammatory because that will basically signal your genes to not reproduce in the way that punching them with a needle would make them do. So it would like just basically a whole waste of fucking time if you took an anti-inflammatory. According to a couple blogs that I read and some testimonials of some very angry women who accidentally took (laughs) anti-inflammatories. And so I was like, okay. And then I had, my period had been late, man. I am never late. Maybe it's God punishing me for being single and, and no children. I've not bared one child and I'm 32. Maybe that's the Lord punishing me. But uh, I was late and I was like, well, <laughs> for the first time in my life, I have a late period and it's definitely not a baby because I haven't had sex in a while. So I didn't have to worry about that part. But, you know, it's concerning. I'm like, is this just something that happens when you're 32 or what the fuck? And then don't Google that because that'll send you on a whole black hole. Uh, maybe you got this. Maybe it's this. Maybe. And you're like, yeah, all right. I'm just going to I'm just going to go to a GYN later. Um, but so that so one of the other things, though, with my face, and it's finally today it went away. But up until pretty much this afternoon, my face hurt so bad. Excuse me, Kevin. I'm talking my face hurts so fucking bad, but I couldn't take an anti-inflammatory like an Advil. And then I got, in the middle of the night, two nights ago, the period from fucking hell. It woke me up in the middle of the night because I went to bed early because my face had hurt. And then I realized I was so, t- usually with PMS or right before, right before my period, I'm talking like hours before my period, I either get so angry at something or so upset or the third option is I get so fucking tired and this time around I got so fucking tired so I went to bed early and I was like well god damn it good for me going to bed early and then at about 4 a.m I woke up and I was like oh hell no Satan is punching me in the uteri or the uterus because I only have one as far as I know woke me up in the middle of the night and I'm clamoring in the dark in desperation in my house no eyeglasses because i couldn't find them (laughs) trying to find weed because i was like this is the only thing that will help me because i looked in advance because i was like i'm gonna need this information probably not when i'm clamoring in the middle of the night if i should get my purity in the middle of the night might all is it has an anti-inflammatory thing in it so i can't take that that's the only thing that would help when i when i have really bad cramps the only thing that helps is might all but i didn't want to reverse 
that lady punching me in the goddamn face with all those needles so i didn't take it and i was like well jesus christ lord give me some weed give me some of that wacky grass maybe that'll help me go back to bed um so i i i smoked a bunch of weed and then went back to bed and then kevin does the cutest goddamn thing you guys i mean everything he does is cute every second of the day i'm so in love with this dog it's wild but um anytime i have my period and i don't even have to say anything he i don't know if he's i just doesn't smell because i'm very even though it's just me in my home i'm very clean everywhere okay everywhere fellas wink um and he laid I so I went in the middle of the night woke up found some weed laid back in bed and he never ever in the middle of the night he um or anytime at night when he's laying in bed he always lays to the left or to the right of my legs that's where he always lays lays but if I have my period he's humping his unicorn right now and it's really funny <laughs> if I have my period Kevin <laughs> um he always lays on my abdomen it's so sweet he's like a heating pad and so he did that in the middle of the night after i woke up and came back to bed he laid right down on my abdomen he like knew and i just laid awake going and crying i'm like that is just so goddamn adorable i have the best dog in the whole world no wonder barkbox ripped me off kevin is a magical being and he inspires so many people oh my god and then i just cried for an hour and i went back to bed but then i ordered food the next morning so this is what sunday yeah so this is sunday morning and my the cramps were so fucking bad and my face hurt so fucking much and i was like breaking out and it was red and it was crusty and i was bloated i looked pregnant it was just just a whole lot of nope (laughs) and it was fine though so when i'm in those types of 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 uh just in those types of in that in that level of a despair and not a despair emotionally but just physical despair (laughs) where it's multiple ailments i just think it's so funny (laughs) to just i mean granted i don't have subterminal illness or an illness that comes back it just you know the illness is being a woman and having to menstruate so um but whenever like just the two elements of my face feeling like it was peeling off like it was swelling and like it was just breaking out everywhere because it was and the fact that the devil was shitting on my face and then kicking me in the abs just it was just it was just a hoot i was i was uh i was quite a sight and i ordered food and the buzzer rang and i couldn't get up like i could the cramps were so bad that i crawled over from the couch to the door and i was like oh my god when this delivery man opens the door he's gonna see a woman bleeding from the face and from the vagina who's swollen in the face and the abdomen and i was i kept going oh and i and i did an army crawl that could only be described i don't know if you guys have seen the wolf of wall street where leonardo dicaprio is hopped up on very large amounts of drugs that include quaaludes which is what cosby stuck into ladies drinks before he raped them um and he leonardo dicaprio's character is crawling from this house to his lamborghini and he just he he's, he's so, it's so pathetic that's what i look like and then i i finally got up to open the actual door 
but I didn't only got up to the point where I was standing on my knees and I was just I was like I don't want to scare this delivery man so I only opened it halfway and I was like excuse me I don't feel very well can you just put it on the floor and he's like oh yeah 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 okay you okay and he was like freaked out and then he left and I was like I hope he doesn't think he was about to get the Rona because sir it wasn't the Rona I just paid a lady a couple hundred dollars to punch me in the face with needles and then my period was late but then it came quite at peak time while my face was the most hurting and so you know I can't take that mine all because anti-inflammatory suka undo all the needling so you get it thank you sir thank you I'll take my croissants now and eat them all in a, in a period rage so yeah that was my day that was my day guys how was your day good how you doing you okay you good are you all right are we doing okay I mean I can't hear you but I hope you're doing okay um let's go so I'm gonna cover we have a couple more weeks of this book feeling great by David D Burns I keep thinking it's David S Burns Kevin that is so rude that's not yours oh my god Kevin you're so cocky ever since BarkBox tried to rip you off it's getting to your head <laughs> um, we have a couple more weeks and I was reading through the book and there there's a bunch of parts I'm skipping obviously I'm, I'm covering a, a book very not lightly I mean we're going in depth but if you really want certain exercises that he's giving you one of them is a mood journal that I think is highly effective we talked about the mood journal and some of the examples or one of the examples that I read I think it was last week um, you can go on his website just just uh, I think it's feelinggood.com but just google David Burns feeling good or feeling great whichever one it's gonna come up there is a pdf a free pdf where you can download a mood journal sheet and you describe an event that was upsetting and you write down all the negative thoughts you have surrounding that event or the negative emotions. Actually, for the negative emotions he gives you, which I really like, he, he writes down various emotions and you circle the ones that apply to you. And then you write down all the negative thoughts that you're feeling. It's really helpful. I did it. Um, I did it before I recorded this because I was trying to figure out how I wanted to cover the rest of this book. And... I highly recommend you going on his website. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. You don't have to, you know, write it down or, or rush anywhere um, to download this PDF because it's really, really fucking helpful. Because again, this is pretty much a how-to guide on to, re to reduce your anxiety and depression, no matter how severe it is or minor. And I was reading this. I'm like, I guess I'm not really that depressed or anxious. But then I started doing that, the mood journal sheet. And I was like, oh. Oh, I'm a bitch to myself in my head. I always think that I'm never getting enough done. I'm so goddamn hard on myself. And right there, I'm using one of the cognitive distortions of all or nothing thinking. I'm always so hard on myself every minute of every goddamn day. So for this episode, I want to cover, he goes in depth with every cognitive distortion. In part two of this book, it's called, it's called, give me a second. Section two, how to crush distorted thoughts. Because I was like, where, where, where do we talk? I really want to go do a deep dive into each of these cognitive distortions. Because when we talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, we're working on these 10 cognitive distortions that I covered a while ago. So we're going to cover three of them. Yeah. We'll go into three of them this week. And then next week, we'll go into three more. And then next week, we'll go into three more. <laughs> um, so let's get into the first one. All or nothing thinking. Oh, boy, I'm very familiar with that. A man named Saul recovered from years of depression after only a dozen sessions of Team CBT. That's the uh, method that the author had developed. He became euphoric and told himself, this is fantastic. I'm not a loser after all. My problems are finally solved. I'll never have to deal with depression again. 
Three weeks later, Saul got into an argument with his wife and went to bed feeling grumpy, frustrated, angry, and dejected. When he woke up the next morning in a severe depression, he told himself, quote, my improvement was just a fluke. The therapy didn't really work. I'm worthless after all. I'll be miserable for the rest of my life. Sounds like an ex-boyfriend of mine. Um, so as you could see, Sal's angst results from all or nothing thinking, one of the most common cognitive distortions. And that was good when I realized it was a common one because God damn it, y'all, I use that a lot. With this type of distortion, you think about yourself or the world in absolute black or white, all or nothing terms. And that's another thing. If you are somebody who's experienced trauma in your childhood, because that really shapes the way you think as an adult, not that trauma in your adulthood is any easier, but childhood trauma kind of forms these neural pathways that you have to work to unform. Um, my therapist always reminds me that black or white thinking is child brain thinking. Children think in black or white terms. A kid cannot distinguish nuance in a situation, and that's because it's the child brain. It's black or white. So sometimes when you experience childhood trauma, a bla- all or nothing thinking is something that you do a lot because you're stuck in the child brain, and you got to reroute it. Um, so all or nothing thinking, okay, it's one of the most po- uh, common ones. There are two opposite forms of this or any distortion. And this part was really interesting to me because I didn't realize that negative all or nothing thinking isn't just it. it there's also positive all or nothing thinking. And when I read this section, I was like, oh shit, I do that. I do that kind of a lot. So positive all or nothing thinking. This distortion is dominated by the all side of the equation. You tell yourself that if you do well, then you're a winner and that everything is always going to be wonderful. Yeah, so why is that bad? This type of thinking was evident when Sal told himself, my problems are finally solved. I'll never have to deal with depression again. And then there's negative all or nothing thinking. This distortion is dominated by the nothing side of the equation. You tell yourself that if you are a complete success, uh, if you're not a complete success, then you're total total failure, a zero. <laughs> That's so cute. Calling yourself a zero. Aww. This type of thinking was evident when Saul told himself the therapy didn't really work. I'm worthless after all. When Saul suddenly recovered, he jumped to the all side of the equation, thinking he'd be happy forever. This created unrealistic expectations since no one can be happy all the time. <sighs> when I learned that, that was a bummer. But then I realized it's true. It's like, you know, with chocolate cake. You can't eat chocolate cake every day. I mean, you could, but you'll die of diabetes probably. But if you eat chocolate cake every day, chocolate cake is not special. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's the nights that you just resorted to broccoli that make the times you eat chocolate cake so delicious. God, I'm a poet. When saw Kevin, rude. When Saul woke up feeling depressed again, he jumped back to the nothing side of the equation, thinking that he was worthless, that the therapy hadn't worked. These all or nothing thoughts are unrealistic because in actuality, Saul has many faults and strengths, much like the rest of us. Both forms of all or nothing thinking. All right, I'm going to. Okay, one second, guys. I got to take his goddamn squeaky toys away. Kevin. No, no, motherfucker. Uh, Both forms of all or nothing thinking can be problematic. Negative all or nothing thinking triggers feelings like depression, despair, panic, shame, guilt, worthlessness. Positive all or nothing thinking leads to mania, narcissism. Oh, oops. Relationship conflicts. That's true. Anger and violence. That's interesting. Um, Habits and addictions. And when I read the habits and addictions part, I was like, 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's kind of true. Because when I discovered Adderall, I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I will never let you go, Adderall. And that's when you become addicted. It's really easy to slip into this distortion without being aware of it. Yeah, no shit. All or nothing thinking can make life really dramatic. When things go well, you may think of yourself as a winner and feel elated. That's pretty awesome. And when you fail, you may think of yourself as a total loser. That's painful, of course, but your intense negative feelings can motivate you to figure out why you failed and how to do better next time. Okay, so this, that's, that's, this is positive reframing of the all or nothing thinking. In addition, all or nothing thinking is at the heart of perfectionism, and perfectionism can be a good thing. See, I, I disagree with that. It shows that you really have high standards, that you care deeply about your work, and that you're not willing to settle for mediocrity or second best, which is true, but God damn it, <laughs> it's exhausting. People who didn't give up, like Einstein, 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 oh my God, Einstein, Edison, and so many others, changed the world. We get hooked on cognitive distortions for the same reasons we get hooked on negative thoughts and feelings. They are the expressions of our core values and they can be incredibly helpful. So that's one of the, one of the things, uh, one of the most powerful tools in the team CBT method that I've talked about a couple times that the author developed is the positive reframing. So taking this thought that you think and listing out the positives of it, what, what positive traits in you does this thought bring out? All or nothing thinking is nearly always, oh, okay. So this is a thinking in shades of gray, which I don't know how to do yet. All or nothing thinking is nearly always a distortion because the world, for the most part, cannot be accurately described in all or nothing terms. For example, would you say that this book is the most fantastic book ever written? Is it better than Shakespeare or even the Bible? I don't think so. <laughs> well, then, if this is not the most fantastic book ever, then is it a total zero? <laughs> Such a cute diss. Worse even than rotting poop? <laughs> I must confess that there have been times when I felt like rotting poop, but I did not let my writing, but I don't think my writing is nearly that bad. Thinking about this book in all or nothing terms would not only be unrealistic, but it would be a barrier to my creativity too. That's because I'd feel tremendous pressure to write perfectly and come up with something stupendous, but I don't know how to write perfectly or stupendously. stupendously. So if I succumb to all or nothing thinking, then I may end up with a case of writer's block. And when I read that part, I was like, well, God damn it. That's why I can't fucking write any of this shit I've been trying to write. Namely, this one thing I've been trying to write is a book. <laughs> Just a little book I'm trying to write. I haven't, I haven't even finished the proposal. Do you know when I talked to the editor about this book? In fucking April of last year. Well, of this year. Feels like last year. But April of 2020, which feels like 17,000 years ago. But it's, I realized when I read that part, I'm like, oh, God damn. I either think this is going to be the most perfect book in the world, which creates way too much pressure to be free and loose and creative. Or it's going to be a piece of shit, which makes me sad and not want to do it. So maybe that's part of your writer's block. Then I noticed my all or nothing thinking and decided to think about it like this instead. I don't know how to write a bestseller, and that's not even my job. My publisher will have to help with the publicity and marketing of the book. My job is to just talk to my readers the same way I talk to my patients. 
that's something I can do. And that might turn out to be really helpful for some people who are depressed, whether or not it's a bestseller. I immediately felt a surge of excitement and creativity, and the revision turned out to be really easy and fun. So that was him positively reframing his all or nothing thinking towards his book. And that's all or nothing thinking in a nutshell. I'm summarizing here. Let's go to the next cognitive distortion. Overgeneralization. A young professional woman named Ariella became depressed when her boyfriend for the past two years, Alan, suddenly broke up with her. She thought it was because she was too pushy, bossy, or controlling. Alan and Ariella had been planning a week weekend outing, and Ariella had carefully scheduled every minute so that they could do all the things they wanted to do. <laughs> Alan said he preferred to hit the road and just see what came their way. Oh, God. This led to an argument, a blow-up, and eventually a painful breakup, which was heartbreaking for Ariella. Ariella explained that although she'd had several fairly good romantic relationships, they all had ended because of some kind of conflict, in, uh, of the same kind of conflict. She concluded that she was unlovable and doomed to endless rejection and loneliness. This is the classic example of overgeneralization because Ariella was generalizing from a negative event, breaking up with her boyfriend, well, he broke up with her, to herself in thinking that she was unlovable. In addition, Ariella was generalizing from a painful event in the here and now to the future by telling herself she'd be alone forever. There are negative and positive versions of overgeneralization. Negative overgeneralization. You generalize from a negative event to a never-ending pattern of defeat using words like always or never. I, oh, I was just going to say, I always do that. <laughs> that's, how, that's how much this shit is ingrained in me. This overgeneralization is something I do um, a Often. Is that overgeneralization? I don't know. Or you generalize from a flaw, screw up, or failure to your entire self by telling yourself that you failed at X because this means you're a failure. Oh, all right, right. So if I am a failure, then that's why I fail. So basically, if you fuck up something, you are not a fuck up. Okay? I repeat, if you fuck something up, you are not a fuck up. Now, one could say if you fuck up 27 things in a row and you did the same exact thing on 27 times, maybe the problem's you. But the good news is take out your treasure map and figure out the root of the problem and how you can fix it. We're all trying to fix ourselves. And I'm going through this book to give you tools to fix yourself. Okay. So you can hang out with yourself and other people can hang out with you. And it's, it's going to be fine. Positive overgeneralization. You generalize from a positive event to a never-ending pattern of success. <laughs> that sounds great. And tell yourself that you're always going to, to win. You may also see yourself as a winner or as an especially worthwhile human being because of some accomplishment or positive thing you did. And now that I do as well. Because the girl loves an award. And when I win an award, and the only acceptable award for me to win is first fucking place. Because second place is basically a loser. So when I win first place, I'm like, oh, I'm the best. I'm the shit. I did it. I knew it. I'm the fucking shit. But then when I don't win first place, I'm like, oh, I'm just a piece of shit. I should just go take a nap. So that BarkBox can delete the message they sent me. Negative and positive overgeneralizations. Can, be both, uh, can both be problematic. It might seem obvious why the negative version can cause problems, but it might be less obvious why this would be the case for the positive version. To illustrate the drawbacks of positive overgeneralization, it can help to think about compulsive gamblers. 
Compulsive gambling often tell uh, gamblers often tell themselves that they're on a roll when they win a couple of hands in a row at the blackjack table. That feels great at the time. But if they buy into what they're telling themselves, then they may go home with a big loss at the end of the day. Positive overgeneralizations can be seductive because they cause a mental rush. Oh, maybe that's why I do it. Here's one problem with Ariella's thinking. Millions of people in the world are married. Prior to getting married, what percentage of their romantic relationships ended in a breakup? 100%. I should repeat that on guys we fucked. So it can hardly be true that people who fail at failed relationships in the past are doomed to never ending rejections and loneliness in the future. And I mean, spoiler alert, y'all, when you go into that coffin on your dying day, well, after you die and then you go into the coffin, it's just you in there. You ain't dying with anybody else unless you died on the Titanic. That's the Titanic or the Titanic. Some people are a little fast with the tit. And you're holding your loved one in your arms, then yes, you do die with another person. But really, you're gonna die alone anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> when Ariella thinks to her, uh, thinks of herself as unlovable, she's jumping from the specific to the self. She's gotten lost in the clouds of abstraction. Ariella has many strengths and weaknesses, but herself can't be accurately described based on any single trait. In other words, Ariella is not all this or all that. You and I aren't either. <laughs> Ooh, thanks, Daddy. Eventually, Ariella will find a cool guy, <laughs> a cool guy, who's good and uh, is a good fit for her. But sometimes there are bumps in the road along the way, like the ones on your face after a lady punches it with a needle because you paid her to. We all get rejected or put down at times, and that can hurt. <laughs> to be honest, I've had some pretty painful rejections and put downs at times. <laughs> Girl, me too. But the main cause of our pain is rarely or never the actual rejections or criticisms we receive. It's the distorted way we think about them. <coughs> That's his whole point of this book, basically. The event is not what's causing your depression or anxiety. I repeat, the event... Any one event, you cannot pinpoint any one event as the fanning the flames of your depression or anxiety. It's the way you goddamn think about it. Because the way you think about it currently is probably a bunch of... <laughs> okay, now positive reframing. Let's positively reframe this shit, y'all. This is what it's all about. Anytime you're trying to challenge a distorted negative thought, it's a good idea to start out with positive reframing. That will help melt away any resistance that might prevent you from letting go of your negative thoughts and feelings. Because a lot of times, these negative thoughts actually reveal something awesome about you. <laughs> to show how this works, let's focus on Ariella's thought, I'm unlovable. Ask yourself these two questions. What are some advantages or benefits of being uh, believing this thought? What does this thought show about Ariella and her core values that's positive and awesome? I'll give you a second to think because when I was reading this, I took a second to think and I was like, well, I think it's this, this, and this. So what are some, what is, what are advantages of her thinking that she's unlovable and what values of hers thinking she's unlovable reflect that are good, that are good, not the bad ones, that are good. <laughs> okay, so she, he goes, think of your answers and then here's his answers. Here's what Ariella and I came up with and these are just a couple. 
This thought is painful, but it helps me understand why I was rejected. It shows that I am accountable since I'm looking at my own flaws instead of blaming everything on my boyfriend. That's very true. The thought protects me from future disappointments. That was interesting because if someone said, like if I was her therapist, which obviously clearly I did not go to school for this. So, you know, it makes sense that I wouldn't be a good therapist at the moment because um, I don't know all the tricks. But when I read the thoughts protects me from future disappointments, I was like, is that a good thing? But it kind of I could see how it is. If I tell myself that I'm unlovable, that I won't get my hopes up and get disappointed again. I mean, yeah. This thought shows humility as opposed to arrogance. That's very true. Uh, the thought is realistic since I do have many flaws. After all, several guys have broken up with me. <laughs> Again, I'm like, hey, girl, okay. This thought shows that I'm reflective, brave, and willing to examine my flaws and shortcomings so I can grow as a person and hopefully become more lovable and likable. I mean, hopefully according to you, not that shithead, what's his name? Air, Air, Alan, Alan. I mean, he probably is a great guy. I don't know. Uh, and another uh, positive reframing is the thought makes me really sad. It's appropriate to feel sad after you've been rejected. I like that. That that one shows a lot of self-compassion because getting dumped when you get dumped or you break up with somebody being sad is completely normal. Sad is different from depression and sad is different from anxiety. So it, I, I liked, I really liked that point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read again. This, this thought makes me really sad. It's appropriate to feel sad after you've been rejected. It, you know what, girl? It is appropriate to feel sad after you've been rejected. Kevin, did you jizz on this holiday blanket? I bought a Bath & Beyond. What the fuck? Ew, what are you? Oh, you're so cute. I can't take it. Um, and then he talks about the importance of being specific as a technique. There are many techniques for challenging overgeneralizations, but one of the best is called be specific. When you use this technique, you come, uh, you come down from the clouds of abstraction and focus instead on your specific flaws, errors, or shortcomings. And that's how you fix it. Because you got to fucking fix it. This is how you fix it. Once you've pinpointed a specific error or flaw, you can accept it. I mean, easier said than done, but yeah. Work on correcting it or both. When you use this technique, it can sometimes be helpful to focus on your specific strengths as well. I mean, yeah. For example, instead of telling yourself, uh, telling herself that she's unlovable, Ariella might ask herself, what are some things I do that lead to problems in my relationships? And what could I do to grow and develop more loving relationships in the future? <sighs> That's a great way of thinking. As we explored this, it, become, it became clear that she was making significant error in her relationships with boyfriends and friends as well. She often assumed, oh God, this cut deep. She often assumed <laughs> that if she was very enthusiastic about an activity she had planned, then the other person would feel pretty much the same way. Then she'd get disappointed and feel betrayed if the other person backed out at the last minute. Oh God, girl. I used to be like that. Ariella wasn't in the habit of checking with others to see how they actually felt about her planned activities. <laughs> Ariella, girl, you, you funny. And perhaps wasn't always tuning into clues that the other person might have mixed feelings. This is a solvable problem. It's not a fatal flaw that makes you unlovable. And he talks about another technique. Oh, Kevin. Kevin, you are being terrible twos, goddammit. He talks about another technique called the survey technique. 
which is pretty simple. You simply check things out by asking people how they feel rather than trying to read minds. The survey technique was helpful to Ariella in another way. She was telling herself she was unlovable because she was too pushy, and she also assumed that everyone else felt the same way about her. I suggested she might take several friends and colleagues. Um, she might ask several friends and colleagues if they sometimes felt she was too pushy and controlling and how she came across to them. And then she did, and they were like, no, girl, you great. And then she was like, oh, shit. Like, I remember one time with, my, with Justin, um, the survey technique is really important. Now, I'm not saying survey everybody you know, because then they're going to get mad at you and annoyed, and you know that's another problem. But I remember uh, there was a, I think I talked about this on the podcast. There was a, a, my friend's birthday party that I was invited to via text, and then I fucking forgot about it. I didn't write it in my calendar. And I, everyone was like showing that they were like posting about it on Instagram because they were there and they were having such a good time. And I was like, what the fuck? And I felt, I was frankly feeling bad for myself that I forgot about it and I wanted to hang out with my friends. And I was feeling very sorry for myself. And, uh, and then I was texting Justin and he didn't get back to me like the next day. And then the next day he didn't get back to me. And I got in my head, I was on this spiral, this fucking domino spiral satan effect of thinking that i was just a piece of shit and no one wanted to hang out with me i i've i've thought that many times in my life and probably will think that in the future but i can rectify it by just simply asking because if your friends are truly friends you should have the the understanding that you can just say hey am i are you mad at me are you annoyed at me or whatever the fuck and so i asked just I, I don't know i got this like sinking feeling i'm like is justin upset with me he was not texting me back and then i was like christina are you acting are you acting a little irrational well there's only one way to goddamn find out he's your fucking friend ask him if he's mad at you and i texted him and i was like hey this is i i could be totally off base but you're my close friend and i feel comfortable with you are, are you're not upset with me are you and he was like no oh my god not at all and i was like oh Okay, cool. And instantly, my self-loathing and being so feeling sorry for myself dissolved because I used my words and I asked my friend if he was mad at me and he said no. And then I didn't feel bad anymore. So that's a good technique. Kevin, wow. He is having sexual relations with that goddamn blanket. Kevin. Oh, you're so cute. Just hump, uh, you know. And uh, here's another technique, the semantic technique. Semantic technique is a fairly humble and simple method, but it can be effective. For example, let's say that something negative happens and you start telling yourself that this is always, this always happens or that you'll never get it right. This type of overgeneralization may make you feel frustrated, doomed, and defeating, defeated. Instead, you can tell yourself that this is sometimes something that happens. In other words, you simply substitute language that is less extreme. That's something I got to do, y'all. In some cases, this can take the edge off the negative thought that's upsetting you. I just I highlighted that and I wanted to read it because I I've really been noting ever since I read this particular section how often I say always and never. Ugh, it's a lot. It's not I'm not going to say it's always, but it's a lot. So that's that's overgeneralization. And then we're gonna go, we're gonna do one more uh, of the cognitive distortions. And how to fix it. Mental filtering and discounting the positive. Okay, let's get into it. Last one, here we go. We're bettering ourselves. We're getting tools put in our toolbox. Following my appearance on a morning talk show in Cincinnati, 
The host pulled me aside and asked if I could help him with a personal problem. He explained that after each show, he typically received several hundred emails from fans, almost all with glowing comments about his show. But sometimes there was a critical email. He said he'd ruminate about the one negative email for hours and feel miserable while ignoring all the positive letters. Now your girl goes, does that. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes. That's classic mental filtering in which you dwell, that's the name of my short film, on negatives and filter out or ignore the positives. There are negative and positive forms of this cognitive distortion. So positive mental filtering you think all about the positives and filter out or ignore the negatives. And that's what your girl does when she meets a man. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> this type of mental filtering often triggers romantic intoxication. Yeah, you're telling me, Doc. For example, if you get all excited about some wonderful person you met, oh God, then you may think about all of his or her positive qualities and end up thinking that person is fantastic. Yeah, well, maybe they are. But as you get to know him or her, you may start to notice all the warts and now you think, yuck. Well, that's one way to put it, Daddy Burns. Negative mental filtering. You dwell on all the negatives and filter out or ignore the positives. Kevin. Oh my God, I don't know what he's doing. Sorry, guys. My reading is very disruptive because Kevin is digging for treasure in my butthole. Um, yeah, so me mental, negative mental filtering. You dwell on the negatives, filter out the positives. Do you sometimes do that? I mean, maybe. Do you dwell on the flaws in your appearance or personality? Well, maybe if you looked at my face, Daddy Burns, you would too. Ruminate about your thinning hair oh, or tendency to sweat excessively or harp on some other flaw and conclude that you're inferior or that all others will be totally turned off by you? Well, yes, I would say yes, I do, Daddy Burns. Those are all examples of negative mental filtering. I do a lot of this shit a lot. Negative mental filtering often goes hand in hand with discounting the positive in which you insist that your good qualities or positives don't count. Do you sometimes discount compliments? For example, if a friend tells you that you look good or that she really liked your proposal or the talk you gave at work, do you tell yourself, oh, she's just saying that to be nice. She doesn't really mean it. Those are all classic examples of discounting the positive. The opposite of this distortion is called discounting the negative, in which you insist that your bad qualities or someone else's don't count. I know some of those people. <laughs> Trump. Have you ever argued with someone who criticized you instead of finding the truth in what he or she said? Yeah. Or have you ever lashed out at someone during a moment of frustration and later told yourself that you, quote, didn't really mean it or that you're not that kind of person? Um, I could, maybe. There are, these are both examples of discounting the negative. You discount your flaws so you can maintain a uniformly positive view of yourself. And when I first read that, I was like, well, when people criticize me, that's rude. But then I realized, find the truth in their criticism. It's not going to kill you. It seems like it's going to, trust me, but it's not going to. Mental filtering and discounting the positive often account for the depression that people experience as they age. You may dwell on things like all the things you wanted to do but didn't, the loving, exciting partner you never found, the meaningful, rewarding career you never developed, the goals you didn't fulfill, and the dreams that never came true. But once again, it's not aging that's getting you down, but your distorted thoughts. Hello? Anybody home? 
You can make yourself miserable with mental filtering and discounting the positive at any age, no matter how much you've accomplished. Ugh. All right, fine. Now let's talk about counting the positives. What's the best way to overcome mental filtering and discounting the positive? One solution is called counting the positives. Ooh, I like the sound of that. For example, instead of dwelling on what you haven't achieved or enjoyed, you focus on the things that you have enjoyed. Some of the people you do love. There's got to be at least one. And some of the goals you have achieved. When you think about it, we would all make ourselves miserable if we constantly ruminated about all the things we can't do. For example, I'm too old to play, be an astronaut, and I can't be in the NBA because I'm average at best at basketball, and I can't fly to Paris in my jet to have dinner with some of the, quote, beautiful people because I don't have a jet, and I don't know any of the beautiful people. Well, Daddy Birds, you just follow me on Instagram and then we'll hang out, okay? <laughs> as soon as my face clears up, I'll be beautiful. <laughs> there are countless things that I can't do and that you can't do either. So what? How about noticing all the things you are doing and giving yourself some credit for those? If I think about those things I am doing, it makes me happy. And that's true. I know that sounds kind of corny, but, um, oh, Kevin, there you go. You're, hump, you're either humping the blanket I bought at Bed Bath & Beyond, or you're squeaking your toy so damn loud while I'm recording. Kevin, stop it. Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. This episode's a little uh, wonky because Kevin's in his terrible twos. Um... What are some other techniques you can use to combat mental filtering and discounting the positive? There are tons of helpful tools, but the double standard technique is one of the best, and it's really easy to learn. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Kevin, no. One second, please. You know, I would have Mike edit this out, but this is my real life, y'all. This is what happens when people start being, start, stop being polite and start getting real. Yeah, I stole that phrase from MTV's real world, just like BarkBox stole my life from me. Stop it. Please. I'm trying to read about the double standard technique. Several years ago, I was asked by a colleague if I'd be willing to consult with a beloved 45-year-old uh, university administrator named Gabriella, who was hospitalized for the evaluation of a pelvic mask her doctor discovered during a routine OBGYN checkup. Sadly, the biopsy indicated ovarian cancer that was already in advanced stage, and there was no curative treatment at the time. Gabriella learned that she would have only about two years to live. She felt extremely depressed, guilty, worthless, anxious which is all understandable. My colleague told me that Gabriella was a type of person who always went out of her way to help others, like helping faculty and students on their research projects and grant proposals. Although she'd never been married, she was also helping three relatives with disabilities who lived with her in a large house in Redwood City, California. Now you might argue, and most people would, that Gabriella was depressed and anxious because she had cancer. However, one of the cornerstones of cognitive therapy is the idea that only your thoughts and not the events of your life can cause you to feel depressed or anxious. But how can this be? If you just learn that you're going to die from cancer, doesn't the event itself cause you to feel the way you do? Aren't depression and anxiety inevitable? Well, you'd certainly think so, but let's find out. Let's find out, Daddy Burns. Let's find the fuck out, Daddy Burns. When I met with Gabriella at her bedside in the hospital, she reported three negative thoughts that were making a huge impact on the way she felt. And those three thoughts were, number one, I'm letting my family down. Number two, they can't survive without me. And number three, it's my fault that I got cancer. Aw, 
She believed these thoughts 100%. However, they contained a bunch of distortions like self-blame, mind reading, fortune telling, and emotional reasoning, as well as mental filtering and discounting the positives. That's because Gabriella was telling herself that she was failing her family and that everything she had done for them didn't count or wasn't good enough. You can also see that these distorted thoughts and not the cancer were causing her despair. There's no way in the world the cancer would make Gabriella or any human being feel guilty or worthless. Which is true if you fucking think about it. Remember, your negative feelings will always result from your thoughts and not from the actual events in your life. And if you're depressed and anxious, your thoughts will nearly always be distorted. That's basically what anxiety and depression is. Bunch of fucking shit distorted thoughts. So while I couldn't change the fact that of Gabriella's situation, the cancer was real, I could help her change the way she was thinking and feeling. Because Gabriella seemed like a kind of uh, kind person, I thought the double standard technique might be a good place to start. You may recall that this technique is based on the idea that most of us operate on a double standard. Oh, this is such a good example. When we fail or screw up at something, most of us scold ourselves mercilessly. Which is so damn true. But if we were talking to someone else who had the exact same problem, then we'd probably talk him or her in far, with far more compassion and in a realistic way. When you use the double standard technique, you decide to talk to yourself the same way you would talk to someone else whom you really care about. Oh, this is so, oh, this is such a good one. Although Gabriella was in a private hospital room, I told her to imagine there was another woman in the bed next to her and that this woman was a lot like her. She was also 45, had several relatives with disabilities living with her and had just been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. I told her to talk to that woman out loud the exact same way she was talking to herself. I said, tell her that she's letting her family down, that they won't be able to survive after she dies and that it's her fault that she got cancer. Oh, that's so sad. There was a long silence and Gabriella looked puzzled. She finally said, quote, I can't possibly say those things to another woman, doc. Doctor, but I said doc. When I asked her why not, she said, because they're not true. I replied, why not? Isn't it a plain fact that her family feels like she's letting them down? Gabriella said, no, they don't feel that way. They love her and feel sad about her diagnosis and feel grateful for all the help she's given them over the years. They definitely don't feel like she's letting them down. Not at all. Oops. Then I asked Gabrielle why she wouldn't tell this other woman that her family couldn't survive without her. She said, because that's not true either. She helped her family a lot, but they have excellent coping skills and they'll continue to prosper after she dies. They'll miss her because they love her, but they'll do well. Then I asked why she wouldn't tell this woman that she was to blame for her cancer. And she said, that's ridiculous too. We don't even know the cause of ovarian cancer. She couldn't cause it even if she wanted to. I asked Gabrielle how much she believed what she just said about this other woman, the woman who was just like her. And she said it was absolutely true. Then I asked Gabriella if this is true, uh, if this thought would be true for her as well. And she replied, I guess it would be true for me as well. Once Gabriella came to the realization, her thoughts about her illness changed to reflect the following. So the, the negative thought. I'm letting my family down. She turned it into, she identified the cognitive distortions. And this is what I was talking about with that mood, with that mood journal that I'm going to put a link in this description to download. You take a negative thought. So I'm letting my family down. You put how, how, what percentage do you feel that right now? That's part of the mood journal. She wrote hundred percent and she identified all the cognitive distortions that that contained and the positive reframing of that thought this is a very important one part of this whole process 
uh, positive side. No, they don't feel that way. They love me and they feel sad about my diagnosis and probably have uh, feel grateful for the help I've given them over the years. They don't feel like I'm letting them down at all. The other negative thought, they can't survive without me. She turned it into my family has excellent coping skills and their own resources. They love me and will miss me, but they will continue to thrive after I'm gone. And the third thought, it's my fault that I got cancer. She turned it into this is impossible. The cause of ovarian cancer isn't even known. And that the very moment she realized her thoughts were simply not true, her depression suddenly disappeared. She was still sad, but no longer depressed. Her treatment only took 45 minutes. So, you know, you guys, now that you may be wondering what I would have done with Gabriella if the double standard technique had not been effective, and you may be wondering what to do if these techniques, uh, this technique was not helpful when you tried to talk back to your own negative thoughts. Remember that different people respond to different techniques. That's why I developed so many methods for smashing distorted thoughts. When one method doesn't work, just move on to the next one until you find one that's effective for you. You'll have plenty of opportunities to try out more techniques in the chapters to follow. And the chapters to follow, I will follow next week. But that's a good one, guys. Think about a lot of times depression and anxiety are, well, they are. They're the thoughts. They're the way you think about shit. They're what you say to yourself in your head. And if you notice it, if you can notice it, that's step one. That's fucking sick if you can notice it. But then turn it around and go, if a friend came to me, a, a, think of a person that you care about in your life, that you really, really care about. And if they said those same exact things to you, you would have all of these reasons why what they were thinking wasn't true. And our minds, man, sometimes they're a bitch. Sometimes our minds are like... And sometimes our minds are like... Sometimes our minds are like... But that's, I mean, that's, that's a great, that's just, that's such an easy way out of it. And it's an easy way for you to show compassion towards yourself. And that's, that's just one of life's many lessons. You got to be compassionate towards yourself, Christina. I know I do. Well, then do it. All right, fine. Okay, there we go. I was fi- I'm fixed, guys. I'm fixed. Uh, that was a bumpy episode, guys. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, Kevin was humping and he was licking and he was uh, scratching away. But, you know, he's in the terrible twos and that's all right. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're hanging in there, guys. Congratulations on not killing yourself this week. Seriously. Um, life is not easy right now or, you know, a lot of other times. But especially right now, I, I could say. That's pretty fair to say. Um, but... We're doing the best we can and we're all, we're all going to be drowning. We're all going to be floating. We're all, we're all going to be ups and downs. Okay. It's part of it. Feelings are like waves. Observe them and watch them come in and watch them come out. They're more like tides than waves, I guess. A wave does the same thing as a tide. Hey, I'm going to stop talking. I love you all. Talk to you next week. I woke up, it was seven I waited till eleven Just to figure out that no one would call I think I've got a lot of friends But I don't hear from them What's another night all alone? When you're spending every day on your own And here it goes I'm just a kid And a life is a nightmare I'm just a kid I know that it's not Cause I'm alone in the world